Section two of the Golden Sayings of Epictetus by Epictetus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leon Meyer. The Golden Sayings of Epictetus by Epictetus. Translated by Hastings Crossley. Aphorisms 22 to 40. 22. If God had made that part of his own nature which he severed from himself and gave to us, liable to be hindered or constrained, either by himself or any other, he would not have been God, nor would he have been taking care of us as he ought. If you choose, you are free. If you choose, you need blame no man, accuse no man. All things will be at once according to your mind and according to the mind of God. 23. Petrifaction is of two sorts. There is petrifaction of the understanding, and also of the sense of shame. This happens when a man obstinately refuses to acknowledge plain truths, and persists in maintaining what is self-contradictory. Most of us dread mortification of the body, and would spare no pains to escape anything of that kind. But of mortification of the soul we are utterly heedless. With regard, indeed, to the soul, if a man is in such a state as to be incapable of following or understanding anything, I grant you we do think him in a bad way, but mortification of the sense of shame and modesty we go so far as to dub strength of mind. 24. If we were as intent upon our business as the old fellows at Rome are upon what interests them, we too might perhaps accomplish something. I know a man, older than I am, now superintendent of the corn market at Rome, and I remember when he passed through this place on his way back from exile, what an account he gave me of his former life, declaring that for the future, once home again, his only care should be to pass his remaining years in quiet and tranquillity. For how few years have I left, he cried. That, I said, you will not do but the moment the scent of Rome is in your nostrils, you will forget it all, and if you can but gain admission to court, you will be glad enough to elbow your way in and thank God for it. Epictetus, he replied, if ever you find me setting as much as one foot within the court, think what you will of me. Well, as it was, what did he do? Ere ever he entered the city, he was met by a dispatch from the emperor. He took it and forgot the whole of his resolutions. From that moment he has been piling one thing upon another. I should like to be beside him to remind him of what he said when passing this way, and to add, how much better a prophet I am than you. What, then? Do I say man is not made for an active life? Far from it. But there is a great difference between other men's occupations and ours. A glance at theirs will make it clear to you. All day long they do nothing but calculate, contrive, consult how to wring their profit out of foodstuffs, farm plots, and the like. Whereas I entreat you to learn what the administration of the world is, and what place a being endowed with reason holds therein, to consider what you are yourself, and wherein your good and evil consists. 25. A man asked me to write to Rome on his behalf, who, as most people thought, had met with misfortune. For, having been before wealthy and distinguished, he had afterwards lost all and was living here. So I wrote about him in a humble style. 
He, however, on reading the letter, returned it to me, with the words, I ask for your help, not for your pity. No evil has happened unto me. 26. True instruction is this, to learn to wish that each thing should come to pass as it does. And how does it come to pass? As the disposer has disposed it. Now he is disposed that there should be summer and winter, and plenty and dearth, and vice and virtue, and all such opposites, for the harmony of the whole. Have this thought ever present with thee, when thou losest any outward thing, what thou gainest in its stead. And if this be the more precious, say not, I have suffered loss. 27. Concerning the gods, there are those who deny the very existence of the Godhead. Others say that it exists, but neither bestirs nor concerns itself, nor has any forethought for anything. A third party attribute it to existence and forethought, but only for great and heavenly matters, not for anything that is on earth. A fourth party admit things on earth as well as in heaven, but only in general, and not with respect to each individual. A fifth, of whom were Ulysses and Socrates, are those that cry, I move not without thy knowledge. 28. Considering all these things, the good and true man submits his judgment to him that administers the universe, even as good citizens to the law of the state. And he that is being instructed should come thus minded, How may I in all things follow the gods? And how may I rest satisfied with the divine administration? And how may I become free? For he is free for whom all things come to pass according to his will, and whom none can hinder. What then? Is freedom madness? God forbid. For madness and freedom exist not together. But I wish all that I desire to come to pass and in the manner that I desire. You are mad. You are beside yourself. Know you not that freedom is a glorious thing, and of great worth? But that what I desired at random, I should wish at random to come to pass, so far from being noble, may well be exceeding base. 30. You must know that it is no easy thing for a principle to become a man's own, unless each day he maintain it, and hear it maintained, as well as work it out in life. 31. What, then, is the chastisement of those who accept it not, to be as they are? Is any discontented with being alone? Let him be in solitude. Is any discontented with his parents? Let him be a bad son, and lament. Is any discontented with his children? Let him be a bad father. Throw him into prison. What prison? Where he is already, for he is there against his will. And wherever a man is against his will, that to him is a prison. Thus Socrates was not in prison, since he was there with his own consent. 32. Knowest thou what a speck thou art in comparison with the universe? That is, with respect to the body, since with respect to reason, thou art not inferior to the gods, nor less than they. For the greatness of reason is not measured by length or height, but by the resolves of the mind. Place, then, thy happiness in that wherein thou art equal to the gods. 
33. Asked how a man might eat acceptably to the gods, Epictetus replied, If when he eats he can be just, cheerful, equable, temperate, and orderly, can he thus not eat acceptably to the gods? But when you call for warm water, and your slave does not answer, or when he answers brings it lukewarm, or is not even found to be in the house at all, then not to be vexed nor burst with anger, is not that acceptable to the gods? But how can one endure such people? Slave, will you not endure your own brother, that has God to his forefather, even as a son sprung from the same stock, and of the same high descent as yourself? And if you are stationed in a high position, are you therefore forthwith set up for a tyrant? Remember who you are, and whom you rule, that they are by nature your kinsmen, your brothers, the offspring of God. But I paid a price for them, not they for me. Do you see whither you were looking, down to the earth, to the pit, to those despicable laws of the dead? But to the laws of the gods you do not look. 34. When we are invited to a banquet, we take what is set before us, and were one to call upon his host to set fish upon the table, or sweet things, he would be deemed absurd. Yet in a word we ask the gods for what they do not give, and that although they have given us so many things. 35. Asked how a man might convince himself that every single act of his was under the eye of God, Epictetus answered, do you not hold that things on earth and things in heaven are continuous and in unison with each other? I do, was the reply. Else how should the trees so regularly, as though by God's command, at his bidding flower, at his bidding send forth shoots, bear fruit and ripen it, at his bidding let it fall and shed their leaves, and fold up upon themselves, lie in quietness and rest? How else, as the moon waxes and wanes, as the sun approaches and recedes, can it be that such vicissitude and alternation is seen in earthly things? If, then, all things that grow, nay, our own bodies, are thus bound up with the whole, is not this still truer of our souls? And if our souls are bound up and in contact with God, as being very parts and fragments plucked from himself, Shall he not feel every moment of theirs as though it were his own, and belonging to his own nature? 36. But, you say, I cannot comprehend all this at once. Why, who told you that your powers were equal to God's? Yet God hath placed by the side of each a man's own guardian spirit, who is charged to watch over him, a guardian who sleeps not nor is deceived. For to what better or more watchful guardian could he have committed which of us? So when you have shut the doors and made a darkness within, remember never to say that you were alone, for you are not alone, but God is within, and your guardian spirit, and what light do they need to behold what you do? To this God you also should have sworn allegiance, even as soldiers unto Caesar. They, when their service is hired, swear to hold the life of Caesar dearer than all else. And will you not swear your oath, that are deemed worthy of so many and great gifts? And will you not keep your oath when you have sworn it? And what oath will you swear? Never to disobey, never to arraign or murmur at aught that comes to you from his hand, 
never unwillingly to do or suffer aught that necessity lays upon you. Is this oath like theirs? They swear to hold no other dearer than Caesar, you to hold our true selves dearer than all else beside. 37. How shall my brother cease to be wroth with me? Bring him to me, and I will tell him, but to thee I have nothing to say about his anger. 38. When one took counsel of Epictetus, saying, What I seek is this, how even though my brother be not reconciled to me, I may still remain as nature would have me to be. He replied, All great things are slow of growth. Nay, this is true even of a grape or of a fig. If then you say to me now, I desire a fig, I shall answer, It needs time. Wait till it first flower, then cast its blossom, then ripen. Whereas then the fruit of the fig tree reaches not maturity suddenly, nor yet in a single hour, do you nevertheless desire so quickly and easily to reap the fruit of the mind of man? Nay, expect it not, even though I bade you. 39. Epaphroditus had a shoemaker whom he sold as being good for nothing. This fellow, by some accident, was afterwards purchased by one of Caesar's men, and became a shoemaker to Caesar. You should have seen what respect Epaphroditus paid him then. How does the good Felician? Kindly let me know. And if any of us inquired, what is Epaphroditus doing? The answer was, he is consulting about so-and-so with Felician. Had he not sold him as good for nothing, who had in a trice converted him into a wiseacre? This is what comes of holding of importance anything but the things that depend on the will. 40. What you shun enduring yourself, attempt not to impose on others. You shun slavery. Beware of enslaving others. If you can endure to do that, one would think you had been once upon a time a slave yourself. For vice has nothing in common with virtue, nor freedom with slavery. End of section 2